Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his ankle! Follow me! Follow me to freedom! Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast, which is New York Sports Talk, along suffering fam. Your host, Mike Phillips. I got a good show for you this week. NFL Week 1 is in the books, and as is tradition on the podcast, we're going to be joined in just a bit by the great Joe Dalvizio to do our Week 1 recap. We'll go through all the headlines, all the big games, get you set up for Week 2. That's coming with Joe in just a bit. Also going to do our Week 2 NFL picks. I'm going to be joined by Nick D'Alessio, a good friend of mine, Jet fan. We're talking about the Jet disaster a little bit more down there. Can they beat the Browns? Let's see if we can beat the good picks here. Because both me and Allen went one and two as we're trying to get back on the winning side here. So picks coming up just a bit. Make sure you're locking in the shelf. This takes two minutes. Real recap. What was a very eventful U.S. Open. And I feel like if you were even marginally aware of what's going on in the tennis, there was a lot happening, a lot of fun stuff. We'll talk about all that at the end of the show. If you like it here on the Just and the Suffering Podcast, feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering, your favorite podcast platform, and follow episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and starving as well. Help with the podcast even better going forward. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video versions of the conversations with Joe and Nick are be on the YouTube page. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's get to our opening tip. We're going to talk about how the locals did. It was good news for one, bad news for the other. That's coming up right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. Opening tip time here, and I got to be honest, after the first half of the Giant-Titan game, I was sitting here going, all right, we're going to have, you know, another lousy year of football in New York. The Jets already lost. Giants are going to lose. I had the whole spiel going, oh, you know, you change the year, change the coaches, change the players. Everything stays the same, blah, blah, blah. That's true for one of the teams. The Giants, however, did come back and win this game. They come back, stun the Titans 21-20. to They go for two at the end of the game, convert to win the game. And the Giants pick up a week one win for the first time in six years. And think about this for a second. This is the first time the Giants had a winning record since the boat game. Since the playoff loss to the Packers, they've lost week one and never been above 500 since. So incredible. The Giants now finally have a winning record here. The positive, That's very positive here. The game was not pretty. The Giants, the first half, look like they're going to get blown out. They had some issues on defense. They're down a couple of key players. The Giants did keep it close. The Titans made some mistakes. Giants made enough big plays. Squeak out that win against the Titans. And this is a team, people can't forget this. They were the number one seed in the AFC last year. I know the AFC's gotten much better since then. People think Tennessee might not make the playoffs anymore. But this is still a quality football team the Giants beat on the road. Daniel Jones did have some big plays. He had a 65-yard touchdown pass to Sterling Shepard. Saquon Barkley looked rejuvenated behind the Giant offensive line and... This is the guy the Giants thought they were getting and picked the number two overall. He had the rookie of the year campaign. He's a hurt ever since. Good line play. Looks like a top five running back in the league again. That's impressive. The thing I loved here with the Giants, they did not give up. They competed very hard. Brian Dable challenged his guys to win. And Brian Dable was all over his players. I mean, late in that game, Daniel Jones throws the interception that looks like it's going to be the icer for the Titans. And Brian Dable basically goes right up to Daniel Jones and says, no small words. He claims he wasn't yelling at him, but basically he was saying, you know what, like, this is not acceptable. You got to get your head in the game here. And the Giants do get this back after the Titans. They come back. They score a touchdown. Just our minute left. They're down 2019. The book in football usually is, oh, you know, kick the extra point, try and style and play for overtime. Brian Daybold just said, you know what, screw this. We are on the road. We are the underdog. Let's try and win. Let's change our culture here. They do the shovel pass. They convert. They get the two. The Titans make some key mistakes down the stretch here. They end up settling for a 47-yard field goal. Randy Bullock pushes it right, and Giants win the football game. That's a gutty win for this team. They were not perfect, but they got the job done. And the NFL, 
you know what? You don't apologize for wins, especially when you're the Giants who have not been the worst team in football the last uh, five, six years. And it's funny how quick things turn because the Giants look got off of the first half, played very well the second half, still found a way to win the game. And you're a Giant fan. Obviously, you're feeling good about yourself. You look at your schedule coming up here. You have a three-game homestand. Carolina's coming in this week. They just lost week one. Baker Mayfield did not look great. You have the Dallas Cowboys coming up Monday night in week three. You'll be down Dak Prescott. Did not look good even when he was in the game. You have the Chicago Bears coming in, who won a monsoon game, but it's actually very bad. Giant fans can dream about 4-0, but you know what? Probably not going to win all three games. This is the NFL. Teams do things week to week that are different. Could you see a 3-1 and start in your eyes? Maybe. Then at that point, are you in the playoff hunt? You sure are. Definitely a lot of fun here. The Giants could keep things very interesting if they take advantage of what looks like a soft pocket in their schedule right here. And then we have to get to the Jets. And the Jets do what the Jets do. They lose September football games. There were some positives here. The Jet defense was, for the most part, very good against Baltimore. They had a couple of key mistakes. They had a blown coverage that led to a touchdown. They had some key penalties that set the Ravens up, but they held Baltimore under 100 total yards the first half. They held Ravens at 63 yards rushing. There was speed on the field. The cornerback duo of DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner looked elite. Jordan Whitehead brings physicality. Quan Alexander had a good game. There was a lot to like with the Jets. You saw some big things on defense. They had Jermaine Johnson involved, too. He got half a sack. All that stuff is good. Everything else outside of St. Michael Carter was pretty bad. The offensive line, which lost Dwayne Brown prior to the game. He had shoulder injuries on IR. They're hoping he's back in week four. We'll see. They couldn't pass protect at all. Joe Flacco hammered all day, threw 59 passes, and was not very accurate with any of them. He threw an early pick. Lawrence Cager slipped through an interception, missed some connections here, some big drops. Corey Davis, big drop early in the game. Jets had something cooking there that could have been a big drive. Michael Carter had a key drop. It was a point that the Jets started off all win, I think, 0 for 9 on the third downs. Garrett Wilson showed some plays, but for some reason, the coach decided to make him a package player and try and focus, focus on the tight ends. That was a mistake. The special teams, big disappointment. Greg Zerline, who... Won the kicking job preseason. Misses a field goal. Misses a point, point after. While Eddie Pinheiro, who was also in competition in camp, got cut, goes to Carol McSoul's kicks. Not great. Braden Man shanks a 29 yard, 20 yard punt. Directly sets up a Baltimore touchdown. Another couple of bad punts. And between the penalties, the drops, the bad special teams play, like this is a lot of mistakes. And that's how at the end it should have been close. The Jets, the first half, were right in that football game. That's how it turns with 24-9 loss. The Jets have now lost 13 straight games in September. This goes all the way back to 2018. They won Sam Darnold's first game against the Lions, lost the rest of the September games, 0 for 2019, 0 for 2020, 0 for 2021. So far, all one this year. With the Browns on the road this week, with no Sean Watson, yes, but the offensive line that could cause huge issues for the Jet line. And they have Cincinnati coming in in two weeks looking for revenge after the Jets beat them last year. This is not pretty. And this is very frustrating. We'll get to this more later on in the pick segment with Nick D, who is also a Jet guy. But there's got to be a point here where this team's got to start winning. You're tired of having the season be over in September because the Jets can't win football games and are not competitive against good teams. This is year four of Joe Douglas's tenure GM. This is year two of Robert Sala's head coach. I get you don't have your starting quarterback, but you got to be competitive in these football games. We've heard all season about how the talent is better. They've deep teams, seven players picked up off waivers from other teams. The Jets have depth on the roster. Go out week one, not competitive. Can't happen. You got to show some strides here. Otherwise, everybody's going to get shoved out the door sooner rather than later. We'll get more into week one in just a minute. We'll be joined by Joe Dalizio, our NFL guy, right after this call from week one. The Devin Duvernay touchdown in the Jet game, the first one, courtesy of CBS Sports' Andrew Catalan and James Lofton. Jackson looking deep for Duvernay, and he makes the adjustment and the catch. Touchdown, Baltimore. Devin Duvernay makes a great play on third down, and the Ravens 
go up. Actually handled the ball a lot in this ball game because he's the punt returner. So he's been catching all those punts. So he's not afraid of that ball being a little slick, a little misty. He's had to catch those punts. And here he is tracking that ball in and fighting for it, going up high pointing it. Even though there's a hand in there by Hall, he's able to snag it and hold it. All right, we are back here on the Just on the Suffering podcast, our annual tradition, doing our NFL Week 1 recap with this guy. The great Joe Dalwizio is here. You've heard on the Sharp Chatter podcast. Joe, how are you? Mike, I'm doing well. Thanks, as always, for having me on. How are you? Doing okay, considering both our teams lost in Week 1, and mine is probably more disappointing than yours. I was going to say, we are uh, sharing some uh, similar feelings after Week 1, both starting 0-1. Um I'm a little bit more confident, uh, I think, as a Packers fan. As for you, I don't know where that confidence level uh, is right now after Week One. Not high. I'll say that much. Uh, I don't. I don't blame that. Blame you for that at all, especially um, with Joe Flacco leading the way. But <laughs> we could get into that in more detail in just a few minutes. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Here, I just want to start out here with Week One. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many games you watched. I was bouncing around, been at the Jets on, Giants on, some Red Zones. All the obviously check out most of the primetime games here. But I feel like in general, like the games were like interesting, but the quality of football was bad, in my opinion. Do you do you agree with that? Yeah, it's funny. I thought um, it was a lot of sloppy football. Uh, and a ton of surprises. Um, one thing that I'm very happy about, I'm glad that I'm not in a survivor pool because there would be a 100% chance that I would have been eliminated for sure with the results from uh, week one. But I thought it was a lot of sloppy football. I think part of that is you got a lot of starters that just don't play in the preseason. And it shows. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you looked at around some of these games where I mean, it was like the Colt game was sloppy. You had to, the Patriots didn't look good. You had the a lot of issues. In these, so that early window, I was like sitting there looking like, is anybody playing quarterback well in this window? No, and I mean like the 49ers and Bears, obviously that was a monsoon, but that was like a disaster of a game. Uh, the Steelers getting away with a win in overtime against the Bengals. Uh it, Jets, Ravens, I mean, the Jets couldn't do anything. Maybe maybe one of the more exciting games, and I'll be honest, I didn't even have my eyes on it, was the Jaguars against the Commanders, uh, you know, and the Colts ending out in a tie, like, against the Texans. And forget about the Giants upsetting the Titans. Uh, it, it was it was all over the place. Yeah, absolutely was here. We'll start with the Jets. I've weighed in a lot on this podcast. and do more than a couple minutes on the pick segment here. We have a Jets guest on for the picks here, so... Give me your takeaway on the Jet performance. So it's hard to get a true grasp on what the Jets are going to be, especially early on when you have Joe Flacco playing quarterback. Um, for the sanity of, of Jet fans out there that are listening to this podcast, I'm going to assume things are going to get a lot better with uh, Zach Wilson under center. Um, with that being said, though, Mike White should be playing on Sunday. Yes. There is zero excuse as to why Joe Flacco should be the starting quarterback in week two, um, the offense was non-existent. Uh, you've invested in the offense. You brought in tight ends. You used early draft pick on a wide receiver. And it just, where were they? They, they weren't there uh, in week one. And, you know, I, I got to point out Robert Sala coming out saying how proud of how proud he was of how the team fought. Kind of embarrassing. Like, you didn't fight at all. There, you weren't in this game at all. Um, so, uh, I, I, I'm going to knock him for that one for sure. Oh, like I've said plenty on salary. I'm going to say more in a little bit about the receipt comment here. But the thing that I think you're right here is like Joe Flacco is not giving his team a chance to win the football game. I mean, Mike White, yes, he had a flash in the pan last year. But with how bad their line looked and they're down probably they had the starting the rookie Max Mitchell at right tackle. Lakin Townsend look at most of that game here. You want a guy a little more mobility at quarterback to give you a chance to extend some plays. 100%. And at the end of the day, as a fo as any team, you want to win games. Yeah. Like that, that is goal number one. Mike White gives you a much better chance of winning a game than Joe Flacco. And I think part of the reason why we're not going to see Mike White is because the Jets are trying to avoid any controversy at all once Zach Wilson comes back. Because if Mike White starts and plays lights out, you know that the first game that Zach Wilson comes back, if he doesn't outperform what White was doing or play superior, the Jets fans are going to give him the business. And I think I, I, in, a, in a mental state, the Jets want to avoid that at all costs. But, I mean, goal number one is winning football games. So you're going to try it out whoever's going to win the football games. 
Yeah, especially at this point in the regime here, because I mean, this is year four for Joe Douglas, year two for Sal here. At some point, you got to win. Oh, one hundred percent. And you, you invested, right? You invested, but you you rarely saw those guys that you invested in. Um, you know, you saw a really good performance offensively. I think you got to give kudos to Michael Carter showing that he could do it from you know running the ball as well as uh, as well as receiving. Uh, Corey Davis showed up, but I mean, you invested you invested early in Garrett Wilson. You didn't see much. Elijah Moore didn't see much. Uh, the tight ends nowhere to be found. Uh, you made Joe Flacco attempt 59 passes. That is that 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 should never happen. Flacco is nowhere near once where he once were, was, and having him throw the ball 59 times is just a recipe for disaster. Absolutely is, and, spe- and it looked like the Giants were on their way to a disaster. I mean, the first half, they were really badly outplayed in Tennessee. It looked like they could have been down, like, triple, like, three scores. And then they hang on there. They come out, play well in the second half here. You think, again, oh, Daniel Jones was the big pick. This game's over. They come back. They win the football game here. And I loved watching Brian Dable, like, go for two, implore his team to win the game. What do you take away from what the Giants did? Well, I mean, first off, this would have been my survivor pick. I would have went Titans all the way, no doubt about it. So my my take on the Giants winning was holy bleep. You know, <laughs> I can't believe they just did this. You know, uh, that's one I definitely didn't expect. But you got to give a lot of credit to Brian Dable because what you saw is already the start of a, a of a culture change for the New York Giants. Um, credit to him for getting his team to believe in him so quickly. I mean, they could have easily laid down after that first half performance, but they came back and fighting. Uh, the passion, the emotion that you saw from the Giants throughout has been lacking for years. So it's tremendous to see that um, still be a thing within that organization. It's also awesome to see a guy like Saquon Barkley come back, be healthy. Now it's a question, can he stay healthy? Can he continue to play at the level that he played in week one? You know, one thing that I really loved about this game, and I'm sure you've seen this by now, is Dable going over to Daniel Jones and giving him the business after throwing an INT saying, you know, I don't know what he said, but essentially you can't make that mistake. I mean, that's coaching 101, and, you know, to see that is is, is a step in the right direction. Um, now, do I think the Giants are a playoff team? Absolutely not. But to show fight the way that they did in, in week one certainly uh, shows change in the overall culture for that organization, and that's that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's definitely positive. You're a Giant fan. You're very pumped up because you haven't like, started out with with a win in like six years. That's definitely a positive. Here. And you look at that homestand and say, oh, you know, Carolina's coming in. They didn't look great against the Browns. You know, Dallas coming in without Dak Prescott. And you got the Bears coming in. They don't look great either. So I'm sure there are Giant fans out there right now saying, you know, hey, 4-0 is in play here. We could, you know, be, get out to a very fast start. I would say to you guys, you know what? Great win. Remember how bad you look in the first half. So none of these are, are, are guarantees here. No, if there's one thing that's certain, there's no win that's a guarantee in the NFL. You can play the schedule game all you want, but it's it's going to be going to be a different outcome all the time. Um, with that being said, um, you're gonna you're gonna really survive or not survive based on Daniel Jones. Can he can he take that next step in his career, which he hasn't been able to do? Is Dable the guy to fix that? And if not, I, I can guarantee you that they're going to move away from from Jones in, in the in the in the off season. But you know, kudos kudos to them getting it done because this is definitely a team that uh, you didn't expect this in Week One. No, you certainly didn't here. And obviously, the the big news from Week One is the injury here. That Dak Prescott suffered on Sunday Night Football. He has the as the hand injury requires surgery. Timeline supposedly six to eight weeks. He's saying he might beat it. They're not putting him on IR yet. But even when Dak was on the field, the Cowboys did not look good. So what do you think about what we saw here? Yeah, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm really worried. I mean, this injury for the Cowboys is huge. You already had questions going into the season regarding the offensive line. You lose a few weapons on, uh, in, in Amari Cooper and some other players on that offense. Without Dak, this team is nowhere near a playoff team, and they could be in serious trouble. Um, I know I saw some reports about Jerry Jones saying he could be back as soon as four weeks. Uh, I mean, I don't think that's the safe play, rushing this guy back. You've invested a lot of money in him. Um, you know, obviously you don't want to you don't want to tank, but at the same time, um, I'm not for rushing rushing who's supposed to be your star quarterback. Um, without him, this season is is. It's pretty much over. You could say that about any true franchise quarterback, though, in any team in the NFL. 
Yeah, that's for sure here. And let's go rapid fire on some of these other games here. I mean, obviously, you're sure you were locked in the Packers-Viking game here. So I didn't get to check out as much as on the Giants more. So what really happened here at the Packers? What went wrong? I mean, I've been saying this when it comes to the Packers all offseason and ever since they lost Devontae Adams. There will be growing pains for the Green Bay Packers um, as a team overall, specifically with their offense. I mean, this is probably one of the first times in Rodgers' career that he doesn't have that go-to guy. He's always had someone, whether it was um, Devontae Adams, pre-Devontae Adams, it was Jordy Nelson. Um, So this offense is nowhere near the same. So number one, you look back at this game, it's inexcusable for a guy like Aaron Jones to only get eight touches. You draft a guy in Christian Watson, he needs to be better. I'm sure by now, even if you didn't watch the game, you saw the replay, first game of the play, first game, first play of the game, excuse me, Christian Watson gets back behind Patrick Peterson and just drops what would have been a wide-open touchdown. Now, I'm not saying that if he makes that play, the Packers win the game. No, but there is, there could have, there could there be a different result? Sure, but that game does not, the tail of that game was dictated right off the bat. Um, it's unfortunate. Like I said, there will be growing pains. At the same time, credit to the Vikings. They deserved it. They were they coached up well. They got stops when needed. And the Packers couldn't figure out what to do with Justin Jefferson, which is a little surprising. And overall, I think it's just surprising that here we are again, the start of a of a new season, and Matt LaFleur is coming out saying his team was un, was not prepared well enough for week one. That's inexcusable. It's actually embarrassing at that point. At this point, that that this continues to happen week one. But we saw what happened last year after they were a no show against the Saints. Yeah, let's go to Kansas City, Arizona for a minute because obviously the Chiefs without Tyreek Hill have no problem with the ball down the field. I feel like the big takeaway here is that the Cardinals got some problems here, I and mean, that that team has a lot of issues. Well, I, you know what? First, with the Chiefs side of things, Patrick Mahomes. I mean. I'm not breaking any news here. He's the real deal. He loses his number one target, and this offense still doesn't skip a beat. I mean, you talk about a team being prepared and a guy playing with wide receivers that he's not used to in Juju Smith, MVS, some, uh, mixing in some rookies there as well in, in the backfield. I mean, th- this team this team is legit. As long as Mahomes is healthy and starting, the Chiefs are always going to be uh, Super Bowl contenders. As for Arizona, I think this is really starting to show you how overrated they have been. Uh, they started undefeated, what was it, last year, and then things fell apart. I don't think they're nearly as close to as good as that undefeated team. And they have a lot of holes. They do. And remember, they're the hard knocks in season team. So we might start to see the little uh, the uh, unraveling of this team going down the stretch on HBO. Of course, and I'm sure that's going to be somewhat of a, uh, of a fun distraction to deal with as well as uh, out in Arizona. Oh, yeah, absolutely here. Raiders charge that game with like is fun. Chargers do get revenge for the week 18 loss here. I think my big take from this game is that the Raider offensive line is, is problematic. Yeah, the Raider offensive line is problematic, but you could already tell that they love their new weapon in Devontae Adams. If this offense could put it together and they figure out um, how to protect Carr and that offensive line gets uh, improved, there's weapons all around. Adams, uh, Darren Waller. Hunter Renfro, there's a lot of guys that could get the ball and make some plays for this Raider, Raider team, so don't really count them out just yet. On the flip side, Justin Herbert, another quarterback stud in this league. And if he continues to progress the way that he has, the Chargers will be in great hands, not only this year, but years to come. Yeah, absolutely here. Go to the Bengals Steelers here. Obviously, this game took a weird turn early because obviously Joe Burrow has the four first half turnovers, turns over five times in the game. They come back, nearly win it. McPherson ends up missing the extra point, misses a field goal in overtime. Boswell missing one overtime, wins the game here. Like this TJ Watt injury, this is actually probably one of the wildest games of the entire day. Yeah, first of all, this is another one. I did not think Mitch Trubisky would be leading the Steelers to victory. I didn't think Mitch Trubisky would get a victory this season, but that's how I feel about him as a quarterback. Shows how much I know. But listen, the Steelers have a solid D. Who knows now? You got to keep an eye out on the official news with the uh, with the Watt injury because if he misses significant time, that's going to be a, a huge loss. On the flip side for the Bengals, I don't panic just yet. You may call it a Super Bowl hangover, but this team has way too much talent to play that poorly. Um, you got to see if they. You got to look for them to bounce back quickly after this one and get things going. Kind of reminds me of how bad Green Bay got shellacked week one last uh, last year against the Saints and how they ended up the seat ended up. Um, in the regular season. Yeah, of all teams that lost week one, I'm the least worried about the Bengals. I feel like they're going to be just fine. Yeah, I think they're going to be fine too. Uh, uh, again, 
it could be a combination of, you know, Burrow, you know, getting back out there after being injured. Uh, and, you know, it's a divisional matchup. You never know how these go, no matter what point in the season or no matter what the uh, projected records for both of these teams are. Yeah, absolutely. And the last the last big game I get to before I get to what happened last night here, Patriots-Dolphins here. I feel very good about that underpick of the Patriots I made because they did not look good. I don't care about Bill Bell because how, how the game was close. It was just a couple of plays here and there. You look at the stats, blah, blah, blah. Like, the Patriots did not look good. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. We are we are what I think looking at one of the worst Patriots team in a, teams in a very long time. And I think it's going to be a long season for New England, something that we're not used to um, seeing over the last ten de- uh, over the last decade or so. As for Miami, Mike Mike McDaniel did an excellent job in his first game as a head coach of the Dolphins. Uh, Tua looks solid. I think McDaniel uh, knows what he is doing in terms of working with Tua and being smart and making it easy for Tua. Um, he has the talent around him. That he doesn't have to be, you know, excellent, but make it easy for him and the and the guys around will be able to respond. Yeah, that's for sure. And I touched on last night, obviously, because I was actually at the Met game and didn't get to see much of this, but I was driving home. I heard the ending of this thing. Like, I don't know how Nathaniel Hackett misplayed it so badly with the fourth and five there. You trade five draft picks and three players for Russell Wilson, and you decide, you know what? I'm going to bleed the clock, kicks a 64-yard field goal, try and win the game instead of putting it in the hands of my uh, all-pro all quarterback here. I have no idea what the hell was going on over there. I mean, everybody is screaming at Nathaniel Hackett, and this is this is your uh, famous case of you have your it's your first time coaching, your rookie coach, rookie head coach, excuse me, and you wanna you want to prove something out there. You try to you overthink things twice, twice in the red zone. On, on nearly the one or the two yard line, you are running on third down or fourth down at a shotgun run play. It's just inexcusable. He was horrible all game. The Broncos have no business losing a game to Geno Smith and Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks wanted that game badly, and it showed. Yeah, they did. I mean, they outplayed them. They outworked that entire game. The Broncos, were, I think, from what I could get, it really just got like, hey, you know, like we're the Broncos. We'll show up and we'll just win the game. And they didn't really put the effort in that Seattle did. Yeah, you did get a sense of that. And you know what else was crazy is that, at, you know, even though the Seahawks outplayed the Broncos, at any point that game was so close score-wise that the Broncos could have really turned it turned it around and, and ran away with it, but they never got over that hump. And it was just bad play calling, bad decision-making um, consistently throughout the night for the Broncos. Absolutely here. Let's do some roundups here. So who do you think had the best win in week one? Who came out looking the best in your opinion? I mean, again, I think you got to go with the Giants and their upset victory. I, I, no one, no one thought that was happening. I, I mean, I don't think there's a single Giant fan out there that was confident in that one happening. Um, but overall, I think as a team that you know is going to be a threat come uh, January, come fe- February, you got got to be the Chiefs. Got to be the Chiefs. They look flawless, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I'll go. The one I had, I think, is the team who won first. Buffalo going out and beating the Rams, uh, not just beating them, like. Really dominating that football game, seeing what their pass rush did to Matthew Stafford, like that's as impressive a performance I've ever seen. Like somebody go on the road against the defending champ. Totally agree with that one in Buffalo. Um, what was impressive about that one is all those turnovers in the first half, and then leaving the Rams to goose egg in the second half offensively. I mean, tremendous effort on both sides of the ball. All right, let's go the other way here. Who had the worst week one? Who had the worst loss? Uh, th- this is tough. Um, I think I want to throw this towards the bank. I want to throw the Bengals in this category, but I'm looking at the AFC West and me and I think the Broncos losing was a was a big one for them just because of how the division is. But overall, I think you got to group these guys here. So I'm throwing the Rams in this category. I'm throwing the Packers in this category. The Cowboys and the Broncos. Titans got it's hard for me to pick one of the, it's hard for me to pick one of those teams, but if you're the Rams, that's not how you want to show up after winning a Super Bowl. If you're the Packers, you're a team that's talked about every single season um, regard, uh, being a Super Bowl contender. The Cowboys are always in that conversation. Obviously, the bad news and the injury to Dak Prescott lowers them in that ranking for the worst loss of Week One. And the Broncos, man, you make that deal to bring in Russell Wilson, and that's how you look. Yikes. I'll throw one out here because obviously, I mean, I even touched on the fact how ridiculous it was that the AFC South somehow went without a win when two of the teams play each other. So that's one thing I think that's absolutely absurd. But I'm going to throw the Falcons out here. I mean, they were dominating the Saints for most of that game. They let that game completely slip away. And this is a team that's going to be very bad. 
you have a chance to win a game like that at home over division rival. You got to close it. Yeah, you know what? The reason why I wasn't surprised there is because of the expectation that we have of the Atlanta Falcons and how poorly they're going to be. So they did exactly what you thought they were going to do. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, in terms of the AFC South, thing, how wild is that? I don't think I can ever imagine here where you have four teams in one division play, two of them play each other, you have zero wins in the division. Yeah, absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, mind blowing. Did not expect that for Week One. De- definitely didn't have that in the in the uh, in the parlay. All right. So, in terms of the Look ahead. We'll we to a little bit here. Of all our teams that lost, is he, who is in the most trouble? They're zero two right now. So I'm going to throw. I think the Bengals bounce back, but I'm going to throw them in this category as a team that would just made it to the Super Bowl. You don't want to start the next season zero two. You start zero two, you, you all the pressure is on you. But I'm also looking at the AFC AFC West and the Broncos and the Raiders. You can't afford to go zero two in those in that division because it's going to be a dogfight. You will not keep up with the Chiefs or the Chargers, and zero and two is putting you in a in a real tough spot. Yeah, that's that's for sure. I'll say both both of those teams here. I'm gonna say also like New England cannot go zero and two either. Like New England, if they actually have any dreams of doing anything this year, they cannot lose that football game. And Dallas, I kind of wrote them off because of the injury here. But like you have like you have to find a way to win some games here. Even even their division is not great. Yeah, my thing with the Patriots is even if they do end up winning a few games, they're not going to be close to playoff contention this year. I, I really think this could be one of the worst years that we've seen in a long time for the Patriots. Yeah, I'm looking ahead at the Week 2 schedule here. Like, What games sort of jump out to you and say, I'm, I'm interested in these contests right now? Well, I think you got to go Thursday night with Chargers-Chiefs. I mean, that's a hell of a matchup. Mahomes, Herbert should be high-scoring. And then I like Monday night too. Can the Titans bounce back against the Bills, who put up put on a show um, in the opener against the Rams? Yeah, those are definitely fun here. Some other ones I have my eye on here. I think obviously underrated one in the early window on Sunday. Miami at Baltimore is going to be a good game. Yeah, I think that's a good test for Miami. Their first game on the, on the road against the Baltimore team, who's going to be in the playoff conversation. I definitely I definitely see that one too. And the other one, I think I have my eye on the week two slate is not as strong as I actually thought it was going to be. But like the second Monday night game, but with, with uh, by the way, how is it we have a Monday night doubleheader in week two? You know what? I was going to just ask you that, and I'm glad you brought it up. Is this the first time we have a week two Monday night doubleheader? And if so, why? Do we know why? I think it is. I think they're sort of experimenting here what they can do because I know one game's on ESPN, one's on ABC, so they sort of overlap the games as opposed to having one directly after the other. You know what? I, I don't love that. Yeah. I don't love that. Yeah. I'd rather have an extra game in that 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock slot. I, I really don't love the overlap. I would prefer, and it stinks for us on the East Coast, but give me a 7.15 and a 10 p.m. kick. Yeah, I'm watching at 10 p.m. That's what they used to do on week one. So it was that one game on the West Coast. I just, I'm not sure if I love the overlap here. Yeah, and... So- but listen, Mike, we all know this is going to happen. The overlap is going to be there, and people are still going to watch. I mean, you have your two two devices going, and you'll be glued to the television set. So, Yeah, because basically I think their theory is, you know, like one's going to be at halftime when the second game starts, and then you flip to the game, and you can just try to pick which one you want to go with, depending if one is good and one's not. So they were testing that theory out. Definitely. Um, I think they're able to get away with this a little bit easier just because there's no West Coast game, uh, West Coast teams involved, too. Yeah, and I was very interesting when I was looking at the schedule and I saw that I said, "Wow, week two, two Monday nights, very interesting." Yeah, and I think the other underrated game I have in my calendar here, the Desperation Bowl here, as you mentioned, Arizona and the at the Raiders here. One of these teams going to be zero and two unless they pull the Colts and tie it here. Yeah, no, one of those one of those two teams definitely needs to win. I think I lean more towards Vegas in this one, just because I think that offense is better than than Kyler Murray and, and what Arizona has shown. Absolutely, Joe. Thanks all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I can even follow social media, keep up with some of your stuff. Yeah, Mike, just give me a follow on uh, on Twitter at Joe, double underscore. Do not forget the double. Don't forget the double, D-A-L-O-I-S-I-L. Absolutely, Joe. Thanks all the time. I really appreciate it. Mike, anytime. You know where to reach me. Show me the money. All right, show me the money. NFL picks for week number two are here and joining me today to break it all down. Uh, a good friend of mine, making his return to the Justin Suffering podcast. After a bit of a hiatus, Nick D'Alessio is here. Nick, how are you? Hey, Mike. How's it going? Yeah, it's... uh. 
It's been a, a while since I've been on Justin the Suffering for sure. Yeah, so happy to be here. Yeah, Nick came on the Sky Guys over the summer. We talked some Fallen Order. Now we're getting into the football, which I think the Fallen Order was more fun for us. Yeah, well, it depends on... Well, we'll find out why it was more fun for us. It depends on uh, which team you prefer. But as of right now, yeah, I'd say Star Wars is a little more fun. Star Wars is a little more fun because we are both Jet fans. And, boy, I mean, the defense was good for a half. But other than that, there's not much to write home about in this game. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? It's... It was like pretty typical of what you would expect from opening day. Like the first quarter, you're like, okay, we're in this. And even, even the first half, you're like, like, all right, Carter looks good. You know, we're maybe we have a shot at this. And then just yeah. that was it. Completely non-competitive. Yeah. And I think what was it? Uh, I don't think they, they didn't get a, a first down on third down yep. until they didn't convert a third down until like the fourth quarter. Right. I yep. think, until like almost towards the end of the game, which is yeah, not, not, not fun to watch. I mean, between that, between the drops, between the penalties, between the poor offensive line, between the kicker missing a field goal and a PAT and the shag punts, like it was just a disaster. It's pretty, pretty well, kind of what we expect at this point, unfortunately. Yeah. What was uh even right in the fourth quarter when you're like, all right, here we go. We're driving. And then he drops a, a touchdown pass. And it's just like, yep, that sounds about right. Yeah. It does sound about right here. I mean, the thing that bothered me more, I think than the actual loss is like hearing how like the players on the team are sort of talking about it. Cause you remember last year when the Mets were like collapsing and they're all talking about, Oh, you know, it's going to be fine. Trust us. They're all good. And then like, you know, you know what happened there? Like, the same sort of vibes out of them. They're all talking about, oh, like, like positives. We're all, we did this good. We did this good. Like, I don't want to hear how good you did when you guys got your asses kicked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, thinking that good efforts only get you so far. You know, you look at the good effort doesn't show up in the box score. And <laughs> even like watching the game, I don't feel good afterwards. You know, sometimes like you lose and you're like, yeah, but like, here's where we're growing. Here's where we're good. I mean, what was the, what was the, good takeaway from the game I mean, carter had a good game right like i mean what else Corey davis had a decent game i guess you know i don't i don't know what else you take away from it yeah well apparently they tested positive takeaways and i think robert sala head coach was asked about this i think yesterday and he had some interesting words i'm gonna play them on the podcast this is from his press conference yesterday discussing the the start the state of the jets right now when those those little errors that the offense was was having in the first half stop happening, it's going to be explosive, and then it carries on to the second half. You're you're just going to feel it, uh, and and in a way, it, it does just click where you're just stacking up day after day after day, and um and it's really really cool when it does happen because it, it just absolutely pops off the tape, and uh, and I know it's going to happen, and I'm and I'm taking we're we're all taking receipts on all the people who continually mock and and say that we ain't going to do anything. I'm taking receipts. I'm going to be more than happy to share them with all of y'all when it's all said and done. So he went straight to the office, Nick. He's taking the receipts and they're going to shove it in the, everybody's face when the Jets do well. Yeah, you know, minus all of the bad things that we did in the first quarter, we played pretty good, you know? <laughs> like, how do you, that's, duh, you yeah. know? Like, oh yeah, well, if we didn't make mistakes, we, the game would have been better. Like, uh, I don't know. As a head coach, you're supposed to, you know, say things that makes you feel like you're confident in your team. It's just like after that performance for him to be like, yeah, no, but like things look good. We're going to be fine. It's, it, it feels kind of hollow. feels kind of empty. The thing that bothers me is the whole, we're keeping receipts, everybody who mocks us here. And let's be clear here about this team. They have won the combined six games the past two seasons. They've not made the playoffs in 11 years. They've picked the top five of the draft for the past five years. They have lost 13 consecutive games in September by the combined score of 330 to 140. I don't want to hear about taking receipts and all this stuff. You are terrible. Like, and the Jet fan is tired of this bullshit. Like, where every year the season's over before you hit Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's like what I was saying before. If If we came away from this game and we were like, you know what? We were like a couple of plays away from maybe winning then like I'd feel okay. But at no point in this game, short of like maybe the opening two drives, did it feel like we were even in it. It kind of felt like we were always a step behind and then we just couldn't even get into it. So uh, if he's collecting receipts, I hope he has like a like a big binder with a lot, a lot of room for them because he's going to be collecting a lot of receipts. 
Add this one to the list, Robert. I mean, like, you, this is not a team that I, is at any confidence right now is going to be doing any good because, again, no quarterback right now. Joe Flacco has a statue in the pocket. Like, they looked awful for most of this game. And at what point do win, we actually have to win games and not just take down notes of who's mocking us? You know, I got to I gotta look at the schedule because uh, I don't know it off the top of my head. But realistically, how many wins is this team this year? Like, Five, six, you know, I got to look at the matchups and should, you got to figure it should be Wilson comes back. This team should be a seven win team. Seven wins. Yeah. So if you're, if they're less than seven or the quarterback stinks, everybody in that room is getting thrown overboard. Yeah. And in which case then he's going to have a lot, a lot more than receipts to be worrying about. He's going to be collecting some unemployment checks if that keeps up, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's what bothers me. It's just the fact that like, we're still on this, you know, everybody's against us. Why are we mocking the Jets? And our last year, CJ Mose like, oh, like, you know, like I like this, like everybody disrespects us. Of course, they're gonna disrespect you. You haven't been good. Like the only way to do that is to go win. I don't care about who receipts you're taking. So, to be completely honest, like I watched like the first quarter because I was like, you know, foot Jets time. And then once it started getting to that point, that it gets every single game that point where it's just like, oh, here we go, running on first and second and not converting third. You know, or like incomplete pass here. I just switched to the red zone channel because yeah. it's like, what, why, what am I watching this for? You know? Yeah. I mean, you watch, for example, you watch the bills play and they're the same division as the Jets. They're not the ones that play the same sport. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's funny you say that too, because you watch other games and it's fun. Yeah. It's actually, it's actually fun watching these other teams play. Even, even like watching Miami, like even watching them play, I was like, Oh, this is kind of exciting. And like, at what point should I be more, should it should not be more fun to watch teams in our own division than the jets and that's just unfortunately that's how it's been and after game one that's how it feels like it's going to be yeah let me ask you a question you remember the last time the jets won a game in september insert cricket noises (laughs) (laughs) uh i i off the top of my head now it was 2018 with Sam Darnold's first game. They won in Detroit. They have lost every game since then. So 0 for 2019, uh, 0 for 2020, 0 for 2021, and then so far 0 and 1 this year. I'm like, so was that was that the game he threw a pick six on yep. like the very first play? Yep, that was yeah. that game. They won that game running away. Then they lost the next two like pretty big. Yeah. I mean, what? Uh, yeah, between that and not winning games in the division, what are we doing here? I I mean. There were there were some moments, I guess, in this game that you like you saw some semblance of an offense, right? You saw some guys try to make plays and like I don't know. I, I was even thinking like I was even, I was almost gonna give them it's like a bad relationship where you're like, no, but things will get better, you know? Like I'm even giving the defensive break. I'm like, yeah. Uh what's his name? Jackson's like so hard to tackle and get yeah. a hold of. Cause there were a couple of times where they almost had him and he got away, but that's also, those are what quarterbacks are nowadays. Yeah. You know, the, the, the quarterbacks like Joe Flacco that are statue, that's, that's not a thing anymore. So there really is no excuse at this point, at this point, that game, should, if it was a loss, it should have been a close loss. And it, it, if, you know, I don't mind losing games if you see that the team is actually in it and maybe, maybe it's because Joe Flacco, maybe things will change when, when Wilson comes back, but I don't see how anybody could feel confident right now. No, I mean, you said it perfectly. I mean, like, if you're at least in the football game, and let's say, like, Lamar throws a late touchdown and beats you, like, okay, that happens. Like, But they were not even in this game. That's the issue. And I think, I mean, this week they play Cleveland, in Cleveland, no Deshaun Watson there. So, Kobe Reset's at the quarterback. They won last week. Like, the quarterback thing is going to help the Jets. It's a big downgrade here. The rest of the Browns' roster is good, especially the pass rush, the, how bad the Jet line was. This could be a tough game for them, too. Yeah, and between the combinate the one-two punch of Chubb and Hunt is pretty uh pretty hard to contain. So uh it's not gonna be an easy win. Uh you would hope that Robert Sala takes them and and you know he says on the video things pop, things look good. So hopefully they can come up with a game plan that actually lasts the whole game. Cause yeah. you know, how many times do you see them come out strong first drive, strong first quarter, and then just falls off the table you know that's that seems to always be an issue with them i mean all we heard all offseason was oh they got all this new talent in they got all these all these skill position guys who are, who are gonna be exciting they have seven guys that cleaned off players on cut downs there's depth on the roster like go win this football game i don't care that you're playing without your starting quarterback they don't have theirs either go win the game if you want us to actually like convince because you have a clue what you're doing yeah you know and i get what he's saying too it's 
or what like even the the, the what the team is saying in, in terms of like oh it's so easy to punch down on the jets and and you know i don't it, it's it's not fun you know this isn't fun for us to beat up on them this isn't fun to talk about how terrible they are it's just like at a certain point you just you got to see some changes happening and how many times are we gonna oh this quarterback's gonna be our guy oh no this this is gonna be our guy like oh no this receiver is gonna be the guy and it just how many times have we heard that it's it's an unhealthy relationship if you know that what's the the definition of insanity you know yeah. when you 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 hear the same thing over and over again and expect a different outcome like yeah. that's kind of how it feels like being a jet fan these days right now yeah because this is one thing i think the great joe caparoso on twitter has said this too is like i don't know what the jets did to convince their fan base like a oh like they need more time like it shouldn't take you 11 years to do a rebuild it should take you like you should be like at least competitive by now yeah, I mean, not everybody is going to be like, you know, like to bring it to hockey for a second. Not everyone's going to be like the Rangers where like things are clicking and it's happening fast. You know, even like other sports, how many times have you heard like the Sixers fans be like, you got to trust the process, yeah. but at least they have something to show for it. At yeah. least they have a winning record and make the playoffs. Yeah. You know, it's like, what what is the process right now? What process are we trusting? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens with them this week. <laughs> but like, I'm yeah. not, not optimistic after what I saw last week. Yeah, no. And uh, yeah, I guess, sorry that all we're doing is just beating down on them. But, you know, if they played the whole game like they did the first half, if the if it was too, there, there was, you saw, I guess here, what I'm trying to do is like bring a positive out of it. Let me, let me listen to Robert Sala here. Like there was a couple of moments where they could have came back into that game where they could have brought it within a few scores and they didn't execute. But I guess there were a couple of moments where you saw it like, wait, is this offense clicking? Is this happening? So hopefully next week they can keep it rolling and, you know, convert some third downs. Yeah, let's get to the pick. This is why you're here this week. The great Alan Oz is here last week. He went one and two on the week. He took the points of the Rams on opening night, got blown out there. He had the Dolphins laying three in New England. They won, won that one. Took the Raiders getting three and a half on the road. Lost there. So one and two week for Allen. Okay, that's mm, not terrible. <laughs> yeah, I also I wanted to. I took the Panthers, the Baker Mayfield revenge game, laying two and a half points. They lost that game out. Right. I took the Lions getting the four. They were fell down early, came back and covered for me, which is great. I had the Broncos last night, so thanks to Daniel Hackett, that was fantastic. What was what was the spread on that Broncos game? They were favored lay six and a half. They they really just did not like take that game seriously enough. Okay, and it was like a one point game. Also, those those Seahawks uniforms, man, it was hard to watch. You know, if you accidentally have your TV set to vivid mode, like yeah. oh my god, you yeah. can't see anything. Yeah, it's like look like a highlighter. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, so obviously on the year, both sides, me and the challengers are one and two. So we're going to see if we can get some wins going here, Nick. I think we need to get some positive mojo going. Okay, so uh, should I just yep. go with my picks? Yeah, where are you, where, right. dive in that. where are you going with pick number one? All right, so pick number one, I am, hold on, I got everything right here. I'm going to take Baltimore. Uh, I believe they are three. Uh, I lost the page, sorry. Yep. I'm going to take Baltimore. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, they have a minus three. All right, against Miami, right, okay. Yeah, because... Uh, I feel like they're coming off of a win and I'm still not sure about Miami. I'm not sure if that offense is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not confident in Miami yet. So I think Baltimore is going to ride it in and, and get the minus three on that. Yeah. For me, that game's a stay away just because like I watch Baltimore play here. Baltimore should have done a lot more against the Jets considering how the Jets basically hand them lots of opportunities and points and whatnot. And Miami's K-ball. Miami's a solid team. I think that for me, it's a stay away. I want to see what happens in that game. Yeah, so uh, for my second pick, I'm going to go with the kind of the coin toss game that is New England and Pittsburgh. I'm actually going to take New England. Uh, I know going into Pittsburgh isn't easy, but I feel like New England lost a game that they probably could have won. So Belichick is still there. That coaching staff is still there. So I feel like they'll bounce back, and I think they should be able to beat Pittsburgh. You know, that's a big game for them, too, because they don't get that game. And the AFC's tough. Like, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. 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 And they have a good coaching staff, so I feel like they'll actually, you know, do what's right. All right. Last, and then, uh, last pick. Where are you going? For for my last pick, I'm feeling a little – I'm going to go a little risky on this one. I'm going to – I see a plus 10, and I and I 
I start to salivate and I'm like, mmm, this looks tasty. So I'm actually going to take Chicago plus 10. I know it's in Green Bay. I, I don't anticipate Chicago to beat Green Bay, but I think they will lose by less than 10 points. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Chicago. So you're purely going on the cover. Yeah, yeah. It's There's a couple of uh, 10s this week, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like Rodgers is getting older. And I don't know. Actually, Rogers looks fine. I, I, I shouldn't even use that as an excuse. I think I'm just going out on a limb here. It's just like a gut feeling. I just feel like Chicago's going to lose by like eight points or something. Yeah, that's also a stay away from me because, again, divisional game, like Green Bay not look good. Chicago playing a monsoon. I don't know how to judge the Bears, so I'm going to stay away from that game. That's my, my personal take on it. Yeah. All right. I'm up now. Pick number one. I'm going heads up with you on that New England game. Taking the Steelers, getting the point and a half in that game. For me, it's like, okay. I don't understand after watching how awful New England looked in that first game, like how they are favored on the road in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. I know they don't have TJ Watt, but this team went out. They they bullied Joe Burrow into five turnovers. The Patriots don't have weapons. For me, I just don't understand this. And this is a team I think Pittsburgh has disrespected. Like Thomas going to walk in that locker and say, nobody thinks that, that we're any good. They're, we are at home against a team that look terrible, and they, they're projecting them to beat us. So I think it's the spot the Steelers just have to win out right more. I'll go heads up with you on that one. Take Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's it's playing in Pittsburgh, regardless of what the team on the field is, is not, going, is not an easy task. So, uh, yeah, I mean... I disagree with you because <laughs> right. right. I'm picking New England, yeah. but yeah. you make a good point. Yeah, we're heads up on that one. Pick number two. I'm going to take another underdog here. I think the Jaguars getting four at home against the Colts. And to me, this is a game I look at this. Nick, did you know the Jaguars, I mean, the Colts have not won in Jackson since 2014. I did not know that, no. That streak, they have not won in Jacksonville seven straight games, including last year, week 18. They did not look good against the Texans. They end up tying that game. They, they cut their kicker after this game here. Jacksonville played pretty well. They're coming home. I have more than a field goal. I think this game can be close. I think the Colts will squeak it out, but give me the Jaguars getting four points at home in their home opener here. Yeah, you know, I I did not know that about the Colts not being able to play in Jacksonville. So, you know, you, you would think that, well, those are different teams, but obviously there is something to it, so... Yes, that's pick number two. Pick number three, I'm going to take the Bengals laying the seven against the Cowboys this week in Dallas. And Cincinnati, very annoyed coming off a loss. Cowboys playing without Dak Prescott. He's hurt. Even when he was in the game, they didn't look very good against the Buccaneers this week. And I think it's a big get-right spot for the Bengals. I think they're going to put a huge number on the Cowboys here. I think this is a double-digit blowout for the Bengals. So give me Cincinnati laying the seven for the last click of the week. Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow, yeah, he had a terrible terrible start to, to last week but yeah, look he was able to come back and almost take it and that Cincinnati offense is for real and Cowboys without Dak I I agree with that. I think that's a good pick also all right so the reason the picks here Nick is going with the Ravens laying three at home against the Dolphins the Pats laying one and a half in Pittsburgh against the Steelers and the Bears getting 10 in Lambo against the Packers on Sunday night I'm going heads up with Nick on the Ste on the Steeler game. I'm taking the Steelers getting the point and a half there. I'm taking the Jaguars getting four at home against the Colts. I'm taking the Bengals laying seven in Dallas. Those are your picks for week number two on the podcast. Join me next week here. I'm going from one Nick to another. Nick Friday is going to be here on the podcast. We're going to be doing picks and talking about the Giants coming off that Panther game. See if they can maybe take a shot at the Cowboys not Dak on Monday night. Nice. I, uh, I'm familiar with Nick's voice from the, uh, the Sky Guys podcast, so it's nice hearing him you know, talk to you about sports on the other end of things. Yeah, plus there's a little crossover time because Andor is premiering next week, so Nick's going to be on this podcast, and we're going to get ready to start the Andor coverage over on Sky Guys. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, absolutely, and you are going to join us at some point for that, aren't you? Oh, I would love to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Andor as well. Yeah, we'll talk offline about some scheduling for that, but Nick, thanks all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I'll be on social media if they want to keep up some of the stuff you're doing. Uh, so I guess the best place to follow me would be, uh, I do a lot of streaming on Twitch. Uh, so my go to twitch.tv slash the recovery room. And then, uh, from there, there's links to Twitter and YouTube and everything else. So twitch.tv slash recovery room. Absolutely. Nick, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. The two minute drill. two-minute drill time talking some tennis here the u.s open this year was spectacular and i feel like i've always been the minority of this country caring about tennis 
especially this tournament over the years. But tennis is having a moment right now. They have a lot of attention on the sport and this tournament in particular. Serena Williams brought people in because it was her last ride. She gave us a lot of thrills. She won her first round match. She upset the number two seed the second match, second round, got to the third round, put up a fight in the third round, ended up losing, ran out of gas, and had a graceful exit from the stage. She left the door kind of open. She might return one day, but probably not. At Gracie Serena had her moment before she left. But there were a lot of matches throughout the tournament, especially towards the back half of week one, beginning of week two. Coco Gauff got to the quarterfinal on the women's side. She had a good run. She ended up losing. The winner on the women's side was Iga Swiatek, who entered the tournament as the number one seed. She's put together a really good run of late. She has won two French Opens, 2020, and this year, she made the semis in Australia this year. Now it's the U.S. Open win under her belt. There are a lot of players on the women's side who are good, but right now she is the player to beat. She could be the world's dominant female player for a while. Like I said, there are a lot of challengers. Coco Gauff, Naomi Osaka, name a few, name two off the top of my head. So a lot of talented young Americans in this group too, like Jessica Pagula, who was the first advancing American uh, woman in the, in the field. A lot of fun there on the women's side. The men's side, a ton of thrilling matches down the stretch here, down the back half of the tournament. Carlos Alcaraz, who ends up winning the tournament, has a tremendous run here at some late-night theatrics on Monday and Wednesday of Week 2. He plays about 2 o'clock in the morning on Monday, plays until about 2.50 in the morning on Wednesday in the quarterfinals, sets the tournament record for the latest match ever finished in the U.S. Open, beats Yannick Center there. Nick Kyrgios pulling off the big upset, Daniel Medvedev, and probably getting bounced in the next round. Francis Tiafo, the American... He runs the semifinals. He puts himself on the map as he knocks off Rafael Nadal in the fourth round. Beats Andre Rublev in the quarters. Because the first American to reach the semifinals, American man, reached the semifinals since Andy Ryk in 2006. It's been a long time for American tennis on the men's side to step up. Tiafo here has a thrill. He pushed Alcaraz to five sets for losing. But you know what? I could see a world very soon where Tiafo wins a U.S. Open in the future. The guy has a lot of talent. He's a guy you definitely want to keep an eye on going forward here. Final was great between Alcaraz and Casper Ruud of Norway. Ruud picked up the first set. Alcaraz sort of took his game to another level here. He ends up winning the tournament. This has been something we've seen coming of your tennis fans, that Carlos Alcaraz right now, he might be the best player in the world now. He will be the best player in the world in two years. The guy is got guts. He's got incredible endurance. His game translates well on many surfaces. He's a big clay court threat, so he could challenge the doll on the French in a few years. And, you know, this is sort of the change in the guard here on the men's side because Roger Federer didn't play this tournament. He has not played all year. He's coming back for what may be a farewell run here between now and up to Wimbledon, possibly US Open next year. Rafael Nadal's around, but he's getting older, and his style of play, his physicality, makes it tough for him to sort of maintain this over the course of an entire season. It'll be a bigger threat on clay, but you don't know how often it's going to be a big threat to win all four in one year. Novak Djokovic still has a few prime years left in him, but with his anti-vaccine nonsense that right now, if the rules don't change in the U.S. or Australia, he can't play two of the four majors, which is a problem if he wants to try and keep build up his GOAT race. But you have a big generation of talented young players here, whether it's Tiafo, Alcaraz, Casper Ruud, Medvedev, Dominic team, the list goes on and on and on and on. And there's a lot of interesting players here to watch over the years. So we will see what happens here with the men's game because there's it's more wide open now. I think it's great. I also thought it was great watching this tournament, how Twitter was overwhelmed with tennis fever. The matches going on now, you see people who normally watch tennis talk about how they were enthralled by it. A lot of conversation about tennis, a lot of engaging with fans. I hope that, this draws attention to how great tennis actually is at its highest level because I've gone on record with this. I'll say it again. I don't think in terms of physical fitness, there are athletes in this world who are better than tennis players in this regard. That energy it takes to play at that high level for hours upon hours upon hours at a time and deliver brings high drama, a lot of fun. And for you reality TV heads and on Netflix, particularly, there was a show that came out a few years ago, uh, Drive to Survive. Helped bring up a ton of attention to Formula One, went behind the scenes, introduced some drivers, some drama, some storylines, keep track of. Netflix is doing a show that's about tennis next year. They've been following both tours since Australia, since the Novak Djokovic situation. 
that show is coming next year, and I feel like this is going to be a way to bring a lot more people into the tennis tent. Get in right now on the ground floor of tennis. I mean, obviously, it's hard sometimes to find some of these secondary tournaments, whether it's the Masters level tournaments or just the general tour level ones. So get on the ground floor. You know, be around for Australia. There's some late nights at tennis. Be around next year when the French Open rolls around so you can challenge Rafael Nadal on clay. See if I can up, unseat Novak Djokovic Wimbledon. See Federer's last run there. Get in on the ground floor right now. You're not going to regret it. Trust me. And with that, I do want to end the show for the week. I want to thank Joe Dalwizio for hopping on, talking NFL football. Also, Nick DeLessie, we just heard from, doing our NFL picks. All kinds of good stuff there. You are going to like this podcast, including my look at why the Mets are not collapsing, by what the Mets Twitter you have you believe. Check out the blog over at justinsuffering.wordpress.com. Check out the Sky Guys podcast. The Andor preview episode is coming out this week. It'll actually be out on Wednesday in the podcast feed. If you are listening in the Sky Guys feed, it's on daily. So come on the Justin Suffering feed over the weekend. But if you don't want to wait, subscribe to Sky Guys podcast. All the podcast feeds I told you about at the beginning of the show. We are going to have our weekly Andor coverage coming on there as well. They will get the episodes basically right after release. The Justin Suffering will have to wait a few days for those. So. If you want the Andor stuff right away, all the Star Wars stuff, plus all the other material we did in the offseason between Obi-Wan and Andor, check it out there. So follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Coming up next week, we're going to have some Yankee talk here. Remember, baseball stretch run coming up. Yankees trying to get into the division title, NFL picks, and more. So if you have a better week than Cowboys fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.